Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Series 2 of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach, trainer, consultant, and speaker. I work with corporate sales teams and leaders, along with startup business owners passionate about what they do, but wanting to up their sales game. My main mission is helping us all become more mindful of how we elevate our performance, perspective, and potential. If you want to know more, then look me up on LinkedIn. Chris Hatfield, always happy to chat. So if you're new to Not Another Sales Podcast, here's what to expect. It's aimed at giving you insights into how you can be successful within the world of sales, whether that's your career or your own business. We go deeper into the thought process and mindset needed for success when selling and when running a business, not just the skills and output. So if you're looking for a podcast with a difference that starts with the mind in mind, this is for you. So enough about me, let's get started. On today's episode, I'm joined by Alex Elaine, one of LinkedIn's top sales voices in 2019 and strategic sales lead for Amir at Twilio. And Alex and I are going to be talking all about handling perceived failures. We're going to start by talking about the perception towards failure, why it's often misunderstood, how Alex has personally handled it within his life, and how you can begin to reframe your perception towards failure. So if you're struggling with constant setbacks or how you look at things when things don't go well, this podcast is for you. So let's get started. Alex, welcome. How are you? Hey, Chris. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Aside a, a fractured wrist, which should have healed, but I'll probably have injured myself again by the time we uh, release this. Goodness me. Wishing you a speedy recovery. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And, and, you know, thank you so much, Alex, for, for putting some time aside in, in one of your weekday evenings to record uh, with me on Not Another Sales podcast. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, uh, Alex, for people tuning in who aren't familiar with you and uh, have seen seen your name or they probably don't understand fully what you're about, it'd be great to give them a bit of context into what makes you you and your backstory, really. Of course. So, naturally, name's Alex Elaine. I am a sales strategist by day, uh, most recently working for a company called Twilio, one of the fastest growing tech companies on the planet. I joined them as one of the founding members of the EMEA sales team, the third hire on the ground, and have worked to help scale us in EMEA from in and around 10 or 15 people in a very small office to, to several hundred amongst EMEA with a number of Lighthouse customers now. Uh, based on recent signings. So uh, that's been a fantastic journey. Alongside that, I also work with founders and entrepreneurs to help them implement effective sales strategies to set them up for scale. So for some companies, that's taking them from a standard, standing start to revenue. And for others, that's taking them from maybe six figures on a journey towards seven figures plus. So um, that's what my my typical day looks like. Uh, really happy to be on here, Chris, to kind of talk a little bit more to, to the mindfulness element of sales and the uh, the broader ecosystem. So looking forward to it. Yeah, and thank you for that, Alex. And, you know, when we were speaking and obviously, you know, I came across you first of all through that that LinkedIn uh, top sales voice. So congratulations on that as well. And um, thank you. When, when we spoke, I, I, I was quite fascinated by some of the things you were talking around particularly around some of the, the challenges you've been through um, and have seen others go through. And this this topic of failure came up of, um, you know, of, of some of the things you face. And I, I, it'd be good for you to share a bit of context around this. But um, 
you know, I thought it'd be really interesting when you were talking about it because I think it's talked about a lot in business and quite often it's 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 both ends of the scale. It's why people give up and why people quit, but it's also why people don't even start at all sometimes is this, this yes. fear of it. So it'd be good to understand, I suppose, from, from context, like what failure has meant to you and sort of how you've experienced it so far or perceived failure so far. Yeah, no, certainly. I, I think as a kind of opening gambit, we, we often find in society that we've been conditioned to see failure as as defeat. And mm-hmm. I think the, the word in itself, again, kind of conditions a, a lot of negative connotations to kind of see failure as something that should be frowned upon and that we should internalize and and almost then be self-reflective in feeling that we are we are failures. And you know, one of the experiences I've I've been quite vocal in sharing online uh, was, for example, me dropping out of university uh, several years ago, and and actually how going from being one of the most promising students in the country to then dropping out, and actually my whole world U-turning and being seen, you know, deemed and classified as a failure, someone who's amounted to a, ma- a master very little. Um, it was really, really tough at the time, um, especially without a mentor or someone to kind of help me actually see the lessons that I could take from that. Mm-hmm. And ever since, there's been a number of other failures from going for uh, or perceived failures, so to speak, going for promotions and not getting them. But I've come to realize that actually failures are ultimately lessons. And there's only lessons and learning that come off the back of failures. And you can channel those lessons and use it as fuel and energy to go and make a much more positive difference and impact in life. And I hope that those elements of my story come across. Yeah, great, great. And, you know, when you were talking about that, I was like, yeah, this is what people need to hear because we've all been through it. And I'm sure if people are listening to this right now, they might be feeling like it or they might have started switching their their thinking really. So, you know, hopefully from the conversations today, we can reinforce those points or at least give people a new perspective. For sure. So what you mentioned around this kind of perception of it, particularly in society and then the way it's labeled, but why do you think there is such a, a big fear of it within everyday life? Like what, what is it do you think that's wired within us to, to fear it or within our society? Yeah, I think a, a lot of us are always striving for success and, and striving to win. You know, mm-hmm. we're all conditioned again to to want to be first place, to to want to be a successful person to want to wanna make money and, and do all of these amazing things. So as soon as an, an action or an outcome is has been a failure, whether it's second place or or 10th place, we're again conditioned to feel like actually we, we haven't delivered the result. So we failed and we, we simply don't make the cut. And so I think for people, there's sometimes then this feeling of, should I even put myself in the position where I'm exposed to any kind of risk or exposed to the possibility of quote unquote failing. And mm. so a lot of us then choose not to run the race because it it's safer in, in a way not to. Um, and just to continue maybe operating as, in, in the status quo, doing whatever that person is doing day to day and not kind of rolling the dice, it feels safe. It feels comfortable. And a lot of us are, are taught, I guess, in a way, to take the path of 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 least resistance versus mm-hmm. trying to walk a path of more resistance because as much as you might stumble along the way the lessons you learn and the characteristics you build 
are actually the things that will set you up for success over time but that's not always apparent to people yeah and it, you know it's 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 being okay with it realizing that, you know this is this is pretty hardwired into us so it's okay to feel like this yes um, but it's okay not to accept it it's like you're gonna feel this everyone feels the same way everyone feels these things it's just how you react to it and i think some people's perception is oh i shouldn't feel this other people don't feel this i bet so therefore if exactly. i'm feeling it i should follow it exactly and that's why i think we we all have a kind of role to play to try and change the narrative because that the narrative is i think the big thing that contributes to everyone feeling the way they do so i think it's really important for the likes of myself yourself and others to share our journeys and our experiences and the lessons we learn to try and help others actually see this isn't something to be ashamed of it is something that you should champion and use to positively influence others yeah definitely definitely and i think there's a a big perception of this this fear of failure because a lot of the time it's either failure or perfection like there is no middle ground and, and a lot For of the sure. time if you ask someone what does the what does perfect look like they can't describe it so you don't even know it's like running a marathon without knowing the distance like you know you, you you're at the finish the start line but you don't know where the finish line is so you're therefore like oh, i'm not going to try it's like yes. people became a bit clearer on this uh talk a bit about this sometimes around like satisfaction versus perfection perfection For isn't sure. measurable it's it's very much like uh, aserical where people like they they have an idea of it but they can't put a pinpoint on it whereas if you aim for satisfaction then it's more likely to get you off the mark because that isn't as scary definitely it's a great point and uh i hadn't actually thought about it that way but really really like that actually mm. it's, it's kind of like asking this is uh, when i do a lot of this with my clients is rather than asking you know what is the perfect day like what would i need to do today to be satisfied with it like just satisfied because because yeah. perfection isn't something you can measure satisfaction can evolve over time like you could be mm. satisfied with your job right now or your your life or your house but you can go to a level and go actually i'd be more satisfied if i did this it's something that can evolve it's something that you can measure perfection isn't it's it's a great point and you know i think to add to that it's also in, embracing the lessons along the journey mm. um it's it's a great point you mentioned around it's kind of either you know you're at the start point or the end point and and not really paying much attention to what happens in between but as yeah. you say kind of getting to that point of satisfaction it's also understanding well what am i learning and and picking mm-hmm. up on route to satisfaction and embracing that the, the journey on the way and not only thinking that there's lessons to be had at the end goal or the end mm. result um yeah so yeah no really interesting way to think about it yeah definitely it's a bit like you know when you go on a bike ride you don't just go on a bike ride to get to the end you go on a <laughs> bike ride to to enjoy the views to, to, to put the challenge in to go up the mountain it's like that's exactly. exactly what you should do with the process exactly yeah i'm thinking about me on a bike now <laughs> running <laughs> through a scenic <laughs> that's a great one so with this this perception of, of failing and we've alluded to some already what do you think are some of the, the myths or some of the things that people believe that just that just aren't true one of the things you mentioned there is that you 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 can't learn anything from it because you just talked about the process there of going through something but what are the other myths or maybe some of the things that you thought about in the past that your perceptions changed on now? Yeah, I think the, the main thing is the fact that failure is, is detrimental to the mind. Uh, I think to quite the contrary, failure actually conditions us for success. Mm-hmm. And the, the perception is that it, it's a negative. It's something that 
uh, takes us down a, a turbulent path. Actually, the, the lessons learned, the, the resiliency and character that it builds, I feel are actually pretty critical life skills, especially down the line. Because the reality is, is that no one's going to fall and stumble only once in their life. It, it's going to happen and it's going to happen again and again and again. And so it then becomes a choice of, do I consistently see this as sequential failures through my life? Or do I change that narrative and shift my perspective to say, you know, hey, you know, these are just stumbling blocks or or pit stops of learning mm-hmm. uh, and, a, and a journey as we talking about our bike ride. You know, there's going to be some speed bumps on that on that bike ride. And what do we do? Do we stop at each one and then start pedaling backwards? Or do we see it as a, a bump and just continue to ride and keep riding? Mm. Um, so I think the biggest myth is the fact that it's it's a detrimental thing to your mind, in mm. essence. Yeah, and I, and I think to add to that as well, it's that we've mentioned this earlier around it's, it's finite, is that once you fail, that's it, it's over. Um, and you mentioned pit stops there, and I, I had a guest on my last series, a guy called John Sinai, who said, you know, life is not just one big game, it's a series of games. And the more games you, you join and partake in, the more you can learn from them. So if you For fear sure. it and look at it as one big game, you're never really going to fully immerse yourself or learn anything from it. For sure. Agreed. Completely. Great analogy. Um, and, and, I, and I think as well that it's one of the, the myths about the failing piece about it being over is that you just think right that's it and when you feel like everyone's felt like that way i've felt that way i'm sure you have that's it it's over nothing's going to happen now it's like you can't see you can't see past it where it's actually like look it's, it's a wave you know sometimes you're up sometimes you're down yes no 100 percent on on the money there yeah so what um you've talked about some of the things that have evolved in terms of your perception of failure over time what would you say, are like you mentioned some at the start, but are there anything else going back that at the time you felt like were quite big milestones of, of things that changed your perception of failure or what you saw as failure at the time that you can look back differently now and, and have a different perception on? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the, the sentiment that I have in my head now is that, as I alluded to earlier, that there's no such thing as a failure, only lessons and learning. And so I always seek to understand kind of what went wrong or, or what was the situation? What was the, the challenge, if you want to call it that? W- you know, why did it happen that way? And then strategize what I could slash would have done differently. Mm-hmm. And sometimes actually, you know, would seek to get another perspective and, and bring that into the mix. So again, when I talk to the example of, of dropping out of university, um, you know, when I did that, as I say, fell into a, a really deep, dark time. But all I could see was line of sight to, you know, you must study within that particular window of life. And if you don't make it happen, then it's over. And that was kind of the, the, the again, the perception and the conditioning that I had. And I was very fortunate in that only two weeks ago, I actually just graduated with, with a distinction in sales management for doing my degree now later in life. And I didn't do it, I guess, the conventional way. I did have to do it, you know, part-time on top of full-time work. But the reality is, is I've, I've delivered the same end result that I failed to accomplish all those years ago, when at the time I could only see line of sight to, it needs to happen now, 
And if it doesn't, in essence, that, that's it. And so I think the message through all of that is to show that there's there's many different routes to the top. And for different yeah. people, it's going to be a different path. And you've got to be able to actually embrace what feels like a setback, but also give you, you know, have the self-belief to know that you can still deliver that outcome at a different time or in a different way or in a different place. And um, I think that's kind of what my example shows. Mm, definitely, definitely. And, and you know, we've alluded, you've mentioned there, and we've alluded to a couple of times already around this perception in society. And I think one of the, going back to the myths piece and something around that is also that um, it's the fear of what others will think of you is why people fear failure, particularly with yes. social media now and everything that being exposed more and more. And, you know, we've seen that recently with, with you know some some issues and some challenges that have, that have come out around it, and I think the the challenge that people have with, with social media as well is that they they perceive other people don't fail because they just see the end result, they just see the outcome, they don't point. see the process online, they just see the, the the movie. It's like you know when you go to the movies, you see the film, you don't see all the the, bra- the backbreaking hours and all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. You're just like this is a great film, and that's. But you, yes. you think you, you haven't seen the the nine to ten months or two three years work it's gone into it yes no it's a it's a great point and it's a big part of again why i feel you know a lot of us have a responsibility to to always talk to the journey and not Mm. just talk to the outcomes and you know a post i did recently on linkedin i kind of talked about me starting uh, or working at mcdonald's just over 10 years ago yeah. And the, the the characteristics and 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 what I feel that's done for my career today. But you know, at the time, not that it was a, a failure to work there, but you know, the, the the feeling from you know so-called friends and many others is that you know McDonald's, it's it's embarrassing. You're selling fries, and you know, I was working in my my main uh, local high street, so mm-hmm. I was very visible to a lot of kind of family and friends in that sense, but. I realized that actually the, the the lessons that came out of being there and, um, you know, the, the things that it's taught me and how it's impacted my career today, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, was the, it was the best thing that I could have done. And uh, I think it's just another example of, you know, kind of putting social media and some of these other things aside and just staying very connected to your, your purpose and your vision and your mission. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And going back to that perfection versus satisfaction, earlier satisfaction is solely based around yourself whereas perfection yes. is quite often based around others opinions so you know point. that's you need to be led by your own purpose as you mentioned there and you know i love that post you mentioned about the mcdonald's piece i think i commented on saying that you can learn any any role you're in you can learn skills from it even if it's things how not to do things like if you've got a, a, yes. a manager you don't get on with or someone you work with or tough customers you, you can learn how not to do things which is just Agreed. as valuable to, to when you, if you want to move into that piece of your career or when you move on to your next role, knowing what you, what's important to you and what you value. Agreed. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, no, great point. So you mentioned a couple already around, you know, some of the positives that can come and from these lessons from failing in our career, but is there anything like when you put this in the context of, you know, every day, if you're within the world of sales or you're running a business, and how these things can happen, like what you can take away besides the lessons you're learning and, and the life experience, which is huge, of course. For sure. Yeah, I, um, I often talk about an example of a former sales manager of mine who, who once said to me, sales is one of the only careers in which you need to accept 
more no's than yeses in order to be successful. Um, and the point he was making is that, you know, sales is often activity driven. You need mm-hmm. to knock a lot of doors to try and get someone's attention or get a lead in the funnel to then actually get to the point of closing a deal. And so on that journey, you need to be able to accept a lot of setbacks. And I think back to my first ever sales role in the city, it was booking um, appointments for for senior sales guys. Um, I I was selling printers and copiers at that time. And it was a a ton of rejection. You know, I was making Mm -hmm. often 200 plus phone calls a day, of which often 199 would be uh, you know, a, a phone slammed on me or a, an outright rejection or otherwise, all in pursuit of that one yes. And so to tie it back into um, kind of lessons learned, I think it's really, Im- I think what it builds is, is resiliency and character, which especially within sales, I think is is vitally important because, you know, unless there's a salesperson out there who's breaking all of the norms, you know, you're going to have to accept rejection in in different capacities in order to try and chase that end result of being a a highly successful salesperson. And Mm. so um, I think it's actually owning and accepting the character building component. Mm. And, you know, I think, you know, almost 10 years into my career now, that has been fundamental to be able to actually channel that into energy to continue to, you know, pick up the phone and make another dial. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's also your, I think what's great about it within sales is just embracing it going, you know, this is the norm. So this is what I should look for. Like, for sure. You know, it's, 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 it's almost like hunting. I started my career in door to door selling um, wow. and like residential <laughs> and I go knock a hundred doors a day. And I was like, right, it's a big game of hide and seek. Like, I just got, the, more, the more no's yeah. I find, like the, the quicker I'm going to get to the yeses. Um, yes. Because it's like, you know, otherwise sometimes in sales you're thinking, oh, this is a no, this is a no. It's like, what were you expecting? This is what's going to happen. But if you think that and then you're like, oh, it's got all the no's, you'll come to the yeses and you'll be so drained from just like for some reason thinking that you're not going to have that, that you're not going to have the energy for the right people. A hundred percent. I always think it's great when a salesperson has started in either door to door or a real high volume you know, hyper growth type of environment where you just got to pick up the phone and make those dials because I I really feel it, it breeds something and some fundamentals that, that set you up for a phenomenally, phenomenally successful career down the line. And, uh, I'm sure you've got many, many stories from the uh, door-to-door days. That... <laughs> <laughs> I got invited in for dinner once. You know, I never got told to get a real job. I had my last application for the day. I was not getting picked up from an hour. My phone was dead. I was yeah. doing loft and cavity wall insulation grants. And wow. uh, yeah, they said, do you want to stay for dinner? So that's a, that's a nice that. story I share. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. You went in, knocked the door and came out with a, with a full belly. Can't exactly <laughs> exactly um but yeah i think you know talking going back to like looking for the the no's rather than the yeses i think it's really good in sales if you can particularly with this kind of perceived failure is flipping it and almost like looking for it because it's then it's embraced and it's not feared as much and you don't act as surprised i mean i used to have a guy uh really switched on uh sales trainer a guy called boaz who uh, said to me once you know don't look at it like a funnel look at it like a t- tunnel like don't you know all these people coming in thinking the further they go down that tunnel this is your decision going, do they fit? Do they, are they the right kind of fit? Like, I need mm. to make sure that they can fit in here because if they come out the right end, then they're the right, well, there's a win-win here. They're the right customer for us and I'm the right fit for them. 
So For he sure. wasn't just thinking, oh God, I've got to fill all these people. It's like, well, no, actually it's my decision here. It was kind of yeah, just flipping yeah. it. And then finding those little gamifying it is one of the biggest things I think of in sales is, is just sort of, you know, just not acting so surprised with these things. Saying, yeah, this is going to happen. This is what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. P- perception is everything, right? Mm. And the it, perception is also a choice. Often yeah. a situation is what it is, but how you choose to receive it, interpret it, and what you choose to do about it are all choices. And so people should feel empowered to know that they can take complete control over what lens they want to put on a situation and then what action they want to take against it. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a key thing when it comes to sales because there are so many different scenarios, many, many challenging scenarios, and then it just becomes a choice on how do you want to confront this, you know? Mm. And uh, the people who rise to the top are the ones that, that own it and accept it as, you know, something that they're either going to learn from or gain something from. And so they dive in head first. Mm. And, I'm, and I'm sure like the things that you've learned and gained, you know, for example, you mentioned earlier about doing those 200 calls a day, a big thing around this and going through these, these, these values and setbacks and le- life lessons is it's walking the path is to be able to share with others because, you know, whether you want to become a sales leader, whether you want to have a family, eventually everyone wants to you know, look, out, look out for their kids. The more you go through these kind of experiences, the more you can pass on that kind of advice to people on how not to do it as well as how best to do it. Yes, agreed. You know, breadth of experiences, you know, I always say to people, just get exposure. You know, if you want to understand more about something, you know, just just get exposure and you've got to be willing to accept what that comes with, the highs, the lows, but you're you're only going to learn, you're only going to gain experiences and more knowledge that you can impart onto others as well. Yeah, because I'm I'm sure if people in your team are coming to you saying Alex I've got this problem, I've got this problem and and if you hadn't been through it, they would, you wouldn't be able to empathize truly with them. And they probably wouldn't be able to truly like talk to you about this. Whereas you could be like, look, being there, done that, this is what happened. Like, yes. that, that can really build that trust and that relationship with your team, with your customers, with your family, whoever that is. Exactly. Exactly. 100% with you on that. And, and I think another thing as well, you, you know, you mentioned um, dropping out at the time and then coming back and completing a couple of weeks ago. I think it's just realizing sometimes when these things happen, it's just not meant to be. It's like, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's just not right. Whether it's, you know, you probably actually look back and go, do you know what? I'm grateful that happened because I got to do this instead and I wouldn't have learned this. Um, yes. And, and it's the same yes. with customers sometimes, you know, they might drop out and you think, actually, do you know what? They just weren't the right fit for us. Like in the moment, yeah. I might have thought I need them for my number or this happened, but in the long run, they probably might have been more trouble than they're worth, or they might have just bought once and, and not and not again, and it would have been like you know really complicated. And then you realize actually, if I tried chasing them, I've and had to carry on, then I would have missed out on this thing. Agreed. Yeah, I think you know you're right. It's staying connected to the big picture, and no matter what, always continuing to work towards those those broader objectives that you have for yourself down the line. And it's, it's just retaining that level of self-confidence and self-belief that mm-hmm. actually you, you can make it happen. As I say, there's many different paths to the top. And, you know, that path wasn't right for me at that time. And actually mm-hmm. what I've done now and, and, and the time that I spent getting to this point over the last 18 months with this program, that was ultimately the right thing. And you're right. I look back and I say, um, again, it was probably the best decision for me. And um, so completely, completely with you on that. Yeah, there's a, there's a great video. You might have seen it with the Steve Jobs 
talk at the graduation around, you know, you can't always connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going backwards. And it's, it's so true. And you know, once you look back on these things, you realize this didn't happen, that didn't happen. And it's, and this is where, you know, this is a completely different topic, but around gratitude is the more you can look back at your perceived failures and be grateful for them, the more you can actually embrace your future ones as well. Got it. Yeah. No, I haven't seen the talk, but, uh, send it over to me I'll yeah definitely i'll definitely will it's, it's great <laughs> it's got three life lessons in there it's really good so so alex you, you've talked about your your um you know perceived failures and what happens but do you have for example like on a day-to-day when something comes up that's a bit of a setback like what goes through your head do you have like a particular routine to move past something do you write things down like do you have a certain process what's your what's your, what's going on in the mind yeah i think when you used the said about writing it down uh, that's become really important now documenting so for me uh, you know I, I typically go through this process of documenting what happened why it happened and what i would do if it happened again that's mm-hmm. kind of my my mini three step process and it's really simple but actually a lot more powerful than than maybe it sounds and you just vocalize it yeah. And when you're able to do that, take a step back and reflect, the, the, the power in this is being able to say, look, it went this way on this occasion. But if it happened again, this is how I would approach it. And in many instances, these things do happen again or in some way or in some capacity. But once you've gone through that process of writing it down, it's amazing how, you know, how much more connected to it you feel and and how you almost internalize it so that when mm-hmm. it happens again, you kind of go into autopilot on the, the, the right way to approach it this time around because you, you've sat, you've reflected and you've written it down. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing that I typically try to do is get another perspective or, or, or another view from, from someone I trust or value. Um, and that can be really powerful too because whenever we're connected to, to any situation or scenario, often we can be emotionally invested or you know there's frustration because it's happened and sometimes the the best points of inflection I've had is when I've gone to someone someone else and and it's not always a trusted source actually it's just a third party and said look here's the scenario what what do you think or what could I have done differently and getting that those broader insights can be really really interesting because those people aren't necessarily emotionally invested and so they can give you some great tips or advice on, again, what you, you could do differently. So my process is, is typically that three-stage process plus getting at least one other opinion on, on the scenario. Mm. And you've, you've alluded to it there, particularly the writing, the writing down. There's a lot around mindfulness and you know, a bit around NLP around that, in that you know, not to get too scientific, but <laughs> we've got this thing in our brain called the amygdala. And when we panic and when things go off it, it goes off like an alarm, like a dog hearing the postman knock the door. And quite often writing things down when we can actually name something and write it down, it it brings back our prefrontal cortex, which is where we make all our logical decisions. So it's kind of like switching off the smoke alarm. Whereas if it just stays in our head, it's it's like running into the kitchen, seeing the smoke alarm going off and just screaming when you're like, actually, this is just a warning. Like, you know, we're not the house uh-huh. is on fire yet. I can do something about this. Um, yes. And and you're right, once you once you've written it down, you you can look at it more logically. And as you said, then going to someone else, they can see it from a, you know, a neutral perspective. As you said, it's not emotionally attached. It's like when you write an essay at uni and you're like, this looks great. And you give it to someone else and there's like 20 spelling mistakes. <laughs> and like, this isn't making sense. Yes. You're like, because you're so close to it, 
you d- you can't always see it sometimes. Exactly. No, you're you're hundred. It's it's like getting something you know spell checked or or grammar mm-hmm. checked, right? You know, you, you've got to you've got to look at it. And and someone just once said to me, you know, review everything three times. You know, before you send that email out. Or I'm sure we can all relate to a time where we've just been absolutely fuming with something and gone to send a, an email or a text message out, you know, completely enraged and, and realizing it would be the complete worst thing to do. I always got told, you know, take 24 hours if you ever feel emotional when you're about to do or say something, you know, at least take an hour or ideally a day, reflect, digest, then respond. And mm. uh, it's very rare that it's the right thing to do to re- to respond or deal with something in the the peak of of an emotion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, you know what I do sometimes, and I think it's worked. So it's just send it to yourself. Like imagine sending that. Just send <laughs> that text cool. to yourself. Send the email, <laughs> and then if you've got you know somewhere private, if you can, if not, read it out loud to yourself and read it, and then go, what would this? How would this come across? Mm. How, would, how would i feel receiving that is is that truly me and then you're kind of actually like you know what wow that's a bit it's a bit much because i've read it out it sounds more real now yeah I'll, yeah I'll wait yeah yeah that's that's an interesting one never thought about it but really interesting one it's amazing actually when you just read something aloud even as in you, mm. you even type it out and read it aloud because mm-hmm. it brings you know tonality into it when you when you say it it's amazing how it can come across differently because we're so quick to to fire and forget in terms of messaging and email Mm -hmm. because there's no there's no tone and so people receive things wildly differently and i think again we've probably all been there where we sent that message and said i did not mean it that way or you know i didn't mean to come across like that and the person said well that's how it sounded (laughs) you know even though it's a message so yeah (laughs) they're they're, they're great points they're great yeah Yeah, and I mean, email culture is probably a whole different podcast that we could cover in communication. Sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've talked a lot around perceived failure in, in this episode, Alex, but is there anything else that you feel you've learned about yourself or the, the most you've learned about yourself so far in, in what makes you you and what makes you successful? Yeah, I mean, the, the last 18 months or two years have been really fascinating. I think I've learned a ton about myself as I've really got towards much more of a pinnacle point in my career and there's a few things that are kind of top of mind for me um of recent you know one of them is that that I love to be stretched and challenged and that Mm -hmm. I embrace discomfort I um I'm always looking to to push the boundaries of my capability and and I'm really someone who's committed to this journey of realizing my potential and that means I'm I'm often the person putting my hand up to you know, be in that uncomfortable position because I know that that's only contributing to growth and development. So that's mm-hmm. something that was clear. Um, the the other couple of things really that that I, I, I really uh, reflected on of recent is that, you know, for me, life has, has become about how do I leave legacy and reach a point of fulfillment? And those two things in, in many ways cross over. But you know, a lot of this has become how do I build and create and raise a platform from which I can give back, serve, serve others, and actually use my knowledge and experiences to, to have a co- positive contribution on the world. Mm. Um, because you come to realize in sales, one of the great things is, you know, you can do well financially, and you can build a great network and achieve all of these wonderful accolades. But 
there's always this, you know, gap or, or emptiness when you're not actually being able to leverage that to to, to deliver and serve other people in a positive mm. way. So that's become a massive part of of really a big focus for me. Certainly, you know, over the coming years is how do I build profile in pursuit of creating and, and defining legacy and and mm-hmm. reaching that point of fulfillment in life. Nice. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing to seeing what's to come on LinkedIn and, um, and and elsewhere. Really, it's quite funny you mentioned around embracing discomfort. And there's another episode which will which will be available on, on this pod around uh, with Stephanie Madur. We're doing screw your comfort zone um, because awesome. for me, I kind of feel like if it's a comfort zone, if people call it a comfort zone, why do so many people want to move out of it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a point. That's a point. Many want to move out, though, or, or say they want to move out. But, yeah. you know, how many do you feel once they start to realize the consequences actually aren't so sure? Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, there's, you know, I said there's a whole different episode. I won't. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, Alex, you know, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, it's been it's been great. Really appreciate you having me on and uh, look forward to, to seeing more content from you as well, Chris. Great, great. And and before you go, Alex, where can, if people is the first time listening to you and want to find out more and some of the things you talked about, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, two best places really are LinkedIn. I, I typically aim to post every working day of the week. Um, so you should be able to find me on there. And also my website, which is is my name, www.alexalain.com. Perfect. Well, again, thank you, Alex. And for everyone tuning in, thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Thanks a lot, Chris. Take care. Hey, people. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to find out more and connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn under Chris Hatfield, H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, or on my website, www.com notanothersalesguy.com that's www.notanothersalesguy.com stay tuned in future for some courses and free content on there as well but for now have a good one and i'll catch you soon